0: Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Patuka, from Yost to Arbor, Passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field? When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed m Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Capnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.
1: Welcome to the Stadium and Main Podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is... Thursday, December 17th, after a big signing day yesterday, uh, Michigan had a, a decent day, kind of surprisingly. So, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well.
2: And, you know, I'm always someone, uh, Justin, who gives credit when it is earned. And so uh, for anybody to, to look at that recruiting class that Jim Harbaugh put together yesterday and dismiss it or to find a way to criticize him um, in the midst of a pretty successful recruiting class. Like, I, I don't – I'm not a big fan of that. Um, you know, yesterday he pulled off uh, uh, what um, can only be described as a bit of a Houdini act to get Donovan Edwards, uh, the, the five-star running back from, from West Bloomfield, uh, to, to commit and sign Xavier Worthy, the outstanding wide receiver um, from California, reaffirmed his commitment and signed J.J. McCarthy, the five-star quarterback. Uh, signed his letter of intent and so um, you know you look at this you look at this class and at the skill positions uh, this is one of the best um, you know trios uh, your quarterback running back wide receiver in fact it probably is the best trio uh, that um, Jim Harbaugh has ever signed and to do that after a two and four season to do that in the midst of what we have talked at nauseum about and the rest of sports talk radio has about this uh, contract situation um, to accomplish all that in the face of incredible challenges and incredible adversity, um, let's start off by giving Jim Harbaugh his, and his staff uh, tremendous credit uh, for signing, uh, what I think, what finished the number 10 recruiting class in in uh, the 24-7 sports rankings.
1: Yeah, um, I think they ended up at 12. Um, okay. They dropped a couple – because I think they started the day at 9, uh, ended up at 12, just um, – but still, I think for – after – How many teams, this is probably the best signing class after a two and four season and, you know, whatever, obviously it's a weird year with only six games, but um, thinking about just the winning percentage, what school has ever done that to keep a a top 15 uh, class after such a horrendous season the year before? So um, especially amidst what you said with all the, the uncertainty around Jim Harbaugh and The coaching situation. So yeah, they definitely deserve that credit there. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts too on kind of where they, where they stand on the offensive side of the ball and the Mm -hmm. defensive side of the ball. uh, Because it seems like a lot of the splashes that were coming yesterday were on offense. And then some of the drops, some of the flips um, were on the defensive side of the ball. Well,
2: I mean, I think anybody that follows uh, football recruiting and has paid attention to Michigan's recruiting the last couple of years uh, understands that there has been a massive hole in the middle of the defensive line. Um, you know, last year in the 2020 class, uh, they signed Aaron Lewis, um, who already decided to transfer. Uh, and I forget the other man, young man's name. Uh, and... And so they signed Chris Jenkins. They signed two guys who were actually defensive ends uh, that they intended to bulk up and get strong and and put on, you know, 50 pounds and make them defensive tackles. Well, as I said, Aaron Lewis has already left the program. Chris Jenkins, you know, is a guy at 235 pounds. Like, it's going to take a couple of years for him to get up to that size. Now you look at this recruiting class that they just signed. uh, And I would say that, again, is the concern, is there's no defensive tackles. In this class, uh, you know, what they intend to do with some of their defensive ends, uh, like a K. Sean Bennett who is 220 pounds, um, you know, TJ Guy, 6'4, 240, Dominic Jadice, uh, 6'4, 250. Like, those aren't big guys that are going to come in and help you along the the defensive tackle position right away. They're also guys who, in their high school careers, played at defensive ends, so not only do they have to get bigger and stronger if they're going to play. And, and I don't know, I, I don't think Bennett actually, I think he's supposed to stay on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whatever they do, they got to get bigger. They also got to learn a position. I mean, certainly what it appears Justin is that they're going to hit the transfer portal hard at that spot because they don't have much youth, They don't have much um, experience at that spot. Uh, it's, I mean, it is a weakness. It's been a weakness the last couple of years. It was a weakness again this year for Michigan football. I mean, it's been a weakness really going back to the 2018 season. In 2017, they had Mo Hurst in the middle, and the guy was dominant. 2018, they got ran over by Ohio State. 2019, they got ran over by Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Alabama, whoever you want to mention. This past year, they were, you know, they they really struggled at that position. And so I think if you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, that's your big concern is they didn't get any better and they didn't even fill any bodies along the defensive tackle spot.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to highlight too one commit or recruit that was uh, leaning towards Michigan and then flipped to Michigan State, Rayshon Benny. Uh, after the MSU game, he, he committed to Michigan State, who was a four-star defensive tackle and the only defensive tackle in that class that Michigan uh, had really any chance with, honestly. Um, so losing him to Michigan State, uh, to Mel Tucker in year two, uh, it, it's just a, how I think that was super important. And it was a, it's a tough one for Michigan fans to swallow with, again, Jim Harbaugh in year six is now getting beat out. Uh, by Michigan State, Mel Tucker in year two uh, for some four-star in-state guys. And I know that's been a a big thing for fans out there is you got to win your state, right? Uh, The best players in Michigan go to Michigan type of thing. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he lost one guy.
2: I mean, he didn't lose 10 guys to Mel Mm -hmm. Tucker. He didn't lose five guys to Mel Tucker. He lost one guy at an important position for Michigan football and I, and I get that. And I understand that at the same time. I mean, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna slam Jim Harbaugh for, for missing out on um, one recruit uh, in your own state. I mean, certainly, you know, they, they lost the game. Does, does winning that game, does that alone flip Rayshawn Benny to, uh, to, to Michigan? I don't know. Someone like Sam Webb or Steve Lorenz or Brandon Brown would be a better uh, person to ask that question for. But I don't, I have enough things that I give Jim Harbaugh crap about. I'm not going to (laughs) like bemoan him or, or, or criticize him for, for losing one kid um, in his own state to Michigan state.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, No, I, I agree with that. Just wanted to highlight it for a second there because it was a a big one to, to arrival, but um, but yeah, I think that the, the, so where Michigan stands right now is 12th in the country and they're second in the big 10. And so you'd say, wow, Michigan's in a great spot. Right. Uh, but the problem is that Ohio state's number two in the country or, uh, maybe even, yeah, they're number two in the country, uh, and number one in the big 10 and they are ahead of Michigan by 40 points on the, uh, the two, four, seven composite rankings. And so, um, it's, uh, you know, when Michigan has one five-star commit in JJ McCarthy, uh, Ohio state has five, Michigan has 10 Ohio state has 13. So uh, I think, uh, you know, as great of a class as, as it is for Michigan, it's just tough to, uh, still ca- uh, stay competitive with Ohio state when they are reloading year after year after year. Um, but it's one of those things, in my opinion, it's like, How do you catch up? How do you even keep up with with Ohio State there? They are recruiting at an ungodly, you know, level right now. And so I'm not even going to knock Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the coaching staff for not being able to keep up because they are – it really – nobody else is on that level, especially in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody
2: is. And the the question ultimately comes down to this – ability to catch Ohio State, is it, uh, is, is it from talent alone or is it from, uh, is it from coaching, development, scheme, um, execution? Uh, you know, look, if, if Michigan fans, if Michigan coaches, if the Michigan program is banking on one day beating Ohio State because they've put together a roster that is more talented in the recruiting rankings than the Buckeyes – then this last 15 years is just a sign of things to come. And it might be anyway, but, you know, they're not going to overcome Ohio State when it comes to talent. It's just not the case. What has to happen is all those other things we just mentioned. And, and you know, do they have – or they have to have transcendent players. You know, they have to have a Saquon Barkley um, from Penn State a couple years ago, a Rondell Moore from Purdue, um, guys like that, you know, a quarterback that is really special. That's probably the most disappointing thing about this 2020 season uh, in hindsight, now that we know that the, you know, the Michigan Iowa game has been canceled and the season's over with for Michigan is, is another year, another quarterback that never came close to realizing his potential, taking that level up, Um, you know, until that happens. And and we can talk about JJ McCarthy here in a minute until that happens, then Michigan really has no chance to beat Ohio state. Uh, And, and so I'm not, Yeah, I'm not sitting there going like, oh man, they're so far behind Ohio State in recruiting rankings. Like, I'm more concerned about they're so far behind Ohio State in their strength and conditioning, in their coaching, in their development, in their scheming, in their game planning. I'm more concerned about all those things. Signing day is nice, and it gets people excited, but it doesn't change the fact that the game is won essentially from this moment forward. Everything that they put in from... Uh, December 17th through whatever that day that game ends up being next year, November 25th or something like that. That's everything that they have to do. And for the last five years, they haven't done as good of a job as Ohio State over the last five years to prepare themselves for that game and have any chance to beat Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, the one thing that you could give props to Jim Harbaugh for over the past six years, if anything, is recruiting right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the recruiting has always been, under Jim Harbaugh, a top 15 uh, class year in and year out. He's even had a top five class, a top eight class. Um, for a couple of these years, there was, I believe, 2018 dropped down to 22nd. But still, um, I think that that is the one thing that Jim Harbaugh has done a great job of. There's no doubt about that. It's the development of those guys once they get on campus, right? And so um, that is where I think a lot of people say, all right, Jim, you've got JJ McCarthy, you've got Donovan Edwards, you've got Xavier worthy. Now you can't possibly screw this up, right? <laughs> it's almost like a, how could you possibly screw that class up because it is so loaded in those skill positions on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Will JJ McCarthy get a shot next year, right away, even Donovan Edw- Edwards, maybe too, even in a loaded running back room. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, Michigan has a really good chance to be really good next season. And for the next Mm -hmm. two, three years, um, I think the, the one, uh, the one struggle might be the offensive line, uh, which is incredibly uh, important as we've seen. Uh, but still in the, uh, skill positions, I saw Josh Gaddis put a tweet out there, uh, this morning that said, uh, that eight freshmen played on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, as bad as it may have looked in 2020, it's, uh, it, Having those guys get experience this year, it means that good things are probably coming in the future. Um, so I, I'm excited about the next couple couple years here.
2: Well, the talent that they have, I, I've got one of those um, scholarship charts in front of me. Um, I used to do this for the Wolverine and then for Wolverine Digest every year. I would keep track of where every single player was. And, and 2021 makes it really difficult because of the fact that NCAA granted that essentially said like anything that happens in 2020 doesn't necessarily count towards your eligibility. So I don't know how the coaches are going to figure that all out. Um, I have been told that a number of programs, I mean, we know this in Wisconsin, I believe already. And I think at Michigan too, it's going to ultimately be that if you were a fifth year senior in 2020, like a Chris Evans, um, I don't think there's going to be a roster spot for you in 2021. Um, even though you have one extra year of eligibility. Um, so anyway, I'm looking at this though right now and I'm looking at the quarterback position and man, it's, it's crazy, Justin, when you think about the quarterback position and, you know, uh, coming into the year you had Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, Dan Vellari, and Cade and You're like, wow, that's as strong of a strong of a quarterback room as they've ever had. And if we're being completely honest and guessing at what's going to happen, Dylan McCaffrey's already gone. We expect Joe Milton to probably leave. So now your quarterback room is going to be Dan Vellari, Cade McNamara and J.J McCarthy. Could J.J McCarthy be the starting quarterback in 2021? With that room? Yeah, probably. Um, am I banking on it? Am I looking at him as the savior of Michigan football? 100,000 percent not. Uh, because if there, again, if there's been a huge disappointment of the Harbaugh era, it's that quarterback after quarterback, whether it's a, you know you, got, you did pretty good with the grad transfer. Um, but then you know, Wilton Spade, John O'Corn, Brandon Peters, Shea Patterson, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, Cade McNamara. Those are all the quarterbacks I think that have started for Jim Harbaugh. Tell me who's the superstar out of that group.
1: Can't find one. I a, tell me I who's don't the.
2: Know. Tell me who's the guy who who other than Rudock, who by the end of his career was playing better than the start of his career. Can't do me that either.
1: Nope, not even you know, Jay Patterson. You know, coming from Ole Miss, he—if you look at the stats—they were staggeringly different when he got to Michigan. So yeah,
2: none of the, none of those kids played as a true freshman, right? None of those quarterbacks started as a true freshman. Uh, Cade McNamara and Brandon Peters started a couple of games as redshirt freshmen. Uh, later on in the season, Cade just most recently, um, Brandon Peters. I think his first start was maybe against Rutgers or Maryland late in that 2017 season. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that I'm just I'm just not looking at JJ McCarthy and going like, all right, finally, yeah. he gets his quarterback of the future. Like he's had quarterbacks of the future. He's had quarterbacks that he's recruited. And I'm not trying to be a downer, but like if you're put all your eggs in the J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh basket.
1: Why? That's that's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Yeah, what evidence do you have that that's going to work?
1: I think that, you know, if we're looking at it, I was looking at this uh, before this season at the end of last season, the the quarterback room, and it was the same thing. Like, it it looked like Michigan was set for the next three to five years. If Milton didn't work out, then McCaffrey was going to work out. If McCaffrey didn't work out, then Cade McNamara was going to work out. If, you know, you kept going down the line and and there's – it was like – one of these guys has to work out right now we're in december of 2020 none of those guys worked out and so now you're sitting here instead of saying yep jj McCarthy's going to be the guy in 2022 or 2023 after he comes into ann arbor has a couple years of development and we are still okay with the quarterback room as it is right now in 2021 we're looking at jj saying hey man you might need to have to come in and change everything right away as a 19 year old kid. And that's a lot for even a five-star quarterback to handle. So yeah, I I agree with you. Um, And and then on the Donovan Edwards side, it's like, all right. I look back to Kareem Walker, Kareem Walker was supposed to be the guy that absolutely changed Michigan's running backs and had a, a thousand yard rushing season and like all this stuff and look at how he's panned out. And so, I think that you can't put a ton of stock into recruiting uh, just for signing day. There still has to be uh, – the best, the best teams out there and programs out there have a great recruiting classes, and then they also develop them once they get onto campus and throughout the years. And so um, Michigan has been missing that development part, uh, and, and it's obviously showed because there have been a lot of, of four- five-star guys that haven't panned out to what we thought that they could be. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I think recruiting classes, whatever you decide to do with it, you know, am I excited about some of the players? Absolutely. I mean, Xavier Worthy, you watch his film, uh, you watch Donovan Edwards film, I and mean, they have not had a running back, they have not signed a running back um, in the Jim Harbaugh era quite as talented, at least, you know, from the rankings and, and watching his film as Donovan Edwards. But, you know, they didn't really understand what to do with the running backs this past year. Um, and so there's just, it's really hard for me. And I think for a lot of Michigan fans, Justin, to get like uber excited. Like if you were at Ohio State, if you were at Alabama, if you were at, uh, I don't know, maybe Oklahoma um, and you signed the, your recruiting class yesterday and you looked at the skill position players, you'd probably be like, wow. This is the next generation of superstars at our school. I can't wait to see what X, Y, and Z do. But when you're at Michigan, the problem with that is then looking at the recent history, looking at what's happened under Jim Harbaugh and going, you know, is this the next generation to get their talent wasted? I mean, you know, Giles Jackson was supposed to be, I mean, God, think about the hype coming into the year about Giles Jackson, someone that I was super excited about because of what we saw in brief instances a year ago. Uh, when he was a true freshman, and other than him returning some kicks and being exciting there, we I mean, I know they only played six games, but we saw nothing. We saw absolutely nothing from Giles Jackson offensively that you thought you were going to see uh, coming into the year. We saw pretty much nothing of Eric All. I mean, he had some of the issues with the drops, but when did Eric All ever showcase, or when was he ever showcased? When was Joe Milton uh, ever look like a star quarterback? I mean, that's the problem is that, Um, you know, Blake Corum had some nice games had some nice moments, but they couldn't figure out how to get him the ball consistently. You know, they didn't get the ball to Hassan Haskins for 25 times a game. Like he demanded, I mean, he proved himself over and over again. I am a workhorse. I am someone who gets the most out of my talent. I am someone that you can count on in a season that they couldn't count on very many people. Hassan Haskins was like standing up atop of the mountain, like give me the damn ball. And Michigan's like, ah, we'll just forget about you for two quarters. So to me, it's, again, I mean, it, someone can turn this podcast off right now. and am like, Spass too negative or something like that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's over and over and over again. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Chris Evans, uh, you know, J- Dylan McCaffrey, Shea Patterson. Like, all these guys never were utilized fully. So I sit here on signing day and I say, there's some exciting talent there. And I am not going to hold my breath to see it get developed.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to argue that, right, it, with what they've shown us, but I will put a little positive spin on it and, and turn it the other way, is that maybe uh, Andre Anthony, the three-star from East Lansing, is a Ronnie Bell, who comes in as a three, you know, Ronnie Bell was a three-star, turns out that he's Michigan's best receiver at this point, and he's the go-to guy, and it's because of Hard work, it's because of determination, all that stuff. And, and it, he's obviously developed his skill set. Maybe Rod Moore at safety, this th- he's a three-star too. Maybe he turns out to be, maybe not a Daxton Hill, but a, a great safety. So I think that there, um, you know, there have been a couple – a couple examples of three star guys that have, uh, panned out. You know, I even look at Jordan Glasgow. Um, I even look at, you know, there, there are a couple different guys out there, uh, that really made some, made a good impact, a big impact at Michigan. Um, and they weren't the, the big name of these signing classes. So, um, there have been some guys out there. So, who knows, maybe Jaden McBurroughs, the, the uh, corner who signed late last night, uh, it, it can be a lockdown corner under Mike Zordich. Who, it, it's, it's hard to say, but I think that the point, uh, you know, not even just to be negative on Michigan, but the point is that it, you shouldn't put a ton of stock into anybody's signing day because it takes so much beyond just them signing with a, with a program to actually, uh, you know, translate that into win. All right, so as we continue to spotlight some of the small businesses in the Ann Arbor area and Southeast Michigan area, we now have Keith Largen from Lewis Jewelers on, who they did a, a big, they were a big help with me uh, over the weekend and over the past couple months, actually, with uh, my ring and my engagement. So, Keith, thanks for jo- joining us today.
3: Oh, I appreciate you guys having me. Happy Holidays.
1: Absolutely. Happy holidays. So yeah, so we uh you know, the with Lewis Jewelers, you guys have been a, a great sponsor with us and uh with the holidays coming up, there's a lot happening. I know I was in there uh obviously this past uh, weekend when after my engagement and uh to get the to get the ring all sized up and everything and you guys were busy as heck. So how's everything going over there right now with the holidays and what uh what, what are you guys spotlighting and, and what are you what do you have uh, to offer to anybody out there?
3: Gotcha. Well, we've got tons of things to make everybody sparkle. First and foremost, but uh, <laughs> th- thank goodness, uh, you know, we've been we've been very steady over the last few months, and then certainly here over the the last little bit, getting geared up and, and ramped up coming into the uh, to the holidays. We've been blessed. We really have, and and it's it's definitely a huge thank you to. Uh, To the community and the people that are out there that have uh kept us moving along and and, in such the right way but it's it's been very very steady and and people have definitely wanted to uh try to put some some shiny sparkly distractions underneath the uh the tree
2: yeah that they have uh and Keith, you know one of the things that i really appreciate about uh, lewis jewelers and is a big part of you guys is this idea that you don't work on commission uh that uh, david lewis and the family have always been um you know really good to their employees and so you know someone like justin goes in there he's got a certain budget to buy an engagement ring for his you know now fiance jacqueline i go in there i have a uh, you know maybe a slightly different budget somebody else goes in there maybe somebody is dating warbucks and has a bigger budget and so what i really like is that you guys find the ring for everybody's budget um when it comes to being engaged instead of trying to push someone like hey $1,000 more, $2,000 more. And I wonder if you can just talk about, you know, kind of how you approach each customer uh, and how valuable that is that you guys operate in a system where it's not about trying to upcharge. It's just about trying to get everybody what's best for them.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a culture that's, that's been instilled from David's dad, even before, uh, before David, that the customer is always our first priority. It's never about the dollar amount. It's it's always been about getting it right for whatever that item is. You know, to to celebrate every moment, whether it's a smaller moment or a larger moment, whatever that might be. But he he's always been about bringing in the right people. So we have such a talented, uh, expert staff of trusted advisors that that have been around the, the jewelry industry for many many years. So when somebody comes in with an ask or a A want trying to to figure something out we're we're able to give up those answers and really find the perfect piece uh, to the puzzle that we've never been on commission so that idea that whether we sell you a nine dollar battery or a nine hundred thousand dollar whatnot we've got all of those things covered and everything in between.
1: Yeah. that. And speaking of my experience with you, that is exactly what I felt. I went in there and I did have a budget, but also didn't really know what I was looking for. And so there at at some other places, I'm sure I could have been upsold into some other things or or pushed into some other things, but I actually came back uh, and I'll be honest, I came back and was like, can we maybe look at something a little bit uh, a little bit less expensive? And Libby, who was amazing working with me, she was like, "Absolutely, we'll help you find the exact thing that you're looking for." Here are your options. Um, So it was a great, great experience. Um, I actually, like I said, I I went in there with really no idea. I didn't get, you know, anything from Jacqueline with what she wants. Um, But you guys gave me, yourself and Libby both gave me some really great options and, and helped me out to figure out what exactly I should go with uh and it was just such a family feel in there it was really a great experience we after walking out uh with uh with Jacqueline the other day she was like oh my gosh they are the nicest people there she's like how much have you been there you guys are acting like your best friends and I'm like well we've, we've <laughs> connected obviously but it, I've only been in there four or five times so um it is really nice to have that family feel especially in a world where uh, you know, you just, in 2020, sometimes you don't get that experience at a lot of a pla- a lot of places.
3: Wow, that's, that's so nice to hear. And it's, and again, we appreciate all those kind words. And that's, that's always the goal with everybody is to, to make you part of the family. I mean, when you come in and you're making a monumental purchase like that, we're going to be with each other and involved with each other for many many years and we're never mm-hmm. never there to just sell you that one thing we want to be there and be a part of your life and all those other celebrations to come forward with so it should always be as comfortable as stress-free as possible um, and, and that's that's always been the goal.
2: Keith I got to give uh, Louis uh, a props. some um, one of my former colleagues over at uh, Cumulus Madison Rally you guys do a lot with and I think the uh, videos you guys do with her um, are always fun. Uh, I think she does a really good job promoting uh, Lewis Jewelers on, uh, on social media. Um, and one of the things that I've liked during this uh, holiday season, and, and certainly even beyond holidays, where you know, it won't be too long before Christmas and New Year's is over with, and all of a sudden it's Valentine's Day, um, or for me, uh, January 20th, uh, third anniversary of, uh, of, of my wedding, uh, and I'll be needing to, needing to get something. And so what I would really like is you guys do like a lot of different price points too. And the, one of the videos I saw with her was, you know, looking at, I think, you know, you did like, um, you know, $1,000 gifts, $500 gifts, $250 gifts. I mean, like it was all over the gamut um, of affordable options for people.
3: Absolutely. Well, Madison definitely does a uh, a great job of making me look way better. <laughs> she's she's so doggone bubbly and uh, energetic about things that uh, she's she certainly helps to uh, amplify things in a, in a great way. But one of her favorite lines that we have at this store is called Opicina Bernardi. It's a sterling silver line that's got this diamond cut type of sparkle to it. But a majority of the price points in the line they start at eighty dollars and goes to about three hundred four hundred at most and there's hundreds of pieces in this line, but that's been her favorite go to uh line to where it it kind of fits for all occasions and she just has a blast with it every time that she comes in and we talk about things and whatnot but there's we We like to think that, like I say, we have something for everybody and all different different ranges uh to to make it comfortable and make it easy for you to find the right gift
1: and uh i've seen you on social media a little bit we talked about this the other day when i was in there you guys have been really putting out a lot more content on social media whether it was Instagram uh, going Instagram live checking out some of the rings and watches and everything that are are there or Twitter or and everything in between Um, and it is really cool to watch you guys on there because it you truly do have everything in there whether like you talked about it uh, a watch battery bracelet earrings uh, you know rings obviously Um, and so it's cool there are a couple cool things too I believe you have some University of Michigan watches too because you guys are a big uh sponsor of michigan athletics and and former sponsor or you you were a former sponsor of mike show i know on uh, wtka so um i think that the ann arbor area and michigan fan base is happy to have you uh along for the ride with them too
3: oh absolutely we're super fortunate to uh have all our uh maize and blue fans and maize and blue friends out there that uh are passionate about, uh, about Michigan. And then we've definitely got some, some toys that help show that off in, in, uh, in a great way. So yeah, we got some watches, we've got some other blue and gold collections uh, of some other things as well. So if that, that is the spirit that we want to uh, have shine through, we got some fun toys that, uh, that can do that really, really well and, and keep her and him smiling.
2: Well, Keith, really appreciate your time here today. Um, you guys just moved into a, a new building recently um, obviously as you Not said, yet. I mean, it's, you, you haven't moved into it yet? Almost. No,
3: no, it's a casualty of COVID. So okay. <clears throat> we're, we're still in our same location at 2000 West okay. stadium. <clears throat> We've got the new store coming next year. It'll be the end of next year, but I think karma had something to do with that because our, uh, <clears throat> next year is our hundredth anniversary of being in oh, business. Wow. And, uh, I think David's dad, who's no longer with us, wanted us to, uh, move into that that big location have that be the biggest year that uh, we've, we've ever had coming up and have those things collide at the same time so it got pushed into next year but it's going to be a blast when we get there well
2: that's awesome that's awesome and a uh, way to make uh, lemonade out of lemons right so
0: um, <laughs> exactly
2: yeah. yeah Keith thank you so much and uh, yeah you know my my wife and I I was just talking to her and she's like hey you know I I would like a second band uh, to go along with my engagement ring and my wedding ring. So I'm happy to go in there uh, as soon as we, you know, finish up the holidays here. So we'll be in soon to, to check it out and check out some of the variety and options that you guys have. And uh, just, uh, yeah, thank you for being a sponsor and, and just, you know, for, for supporting this community. I know that's one of the big things that, you know, you mentioned Michigan, but it's more, uh, it's more than Michigan. It's about Ann Arbor, it's about Washtenaw County, uh, and it's about Southeast Michigan. Oh,
3: absolutely. And uh, our community is so important to us. I mean, giving back and and doing everything we possibly can, especially in the holiday season. I mean, to to be there, and it's not not always about jewelry by any means. It's really about helping and supporting each other and, and get through this thing together.
1: And thank you for supporting me through all this specifically, because I know Jacqueline has told me just about every day, she's like, oh my gosh, it's so sparkly, all these things. I love it so much. And so we're, we're very excited to show it off uh, when we go uh, you know, see family and friends uh, in a few weeks here for Christmas too. So thank you for all your help there. And thanks for joining us today and being a great sponsor of this podcast.
3: Very well. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Happy holidays to everybody. Stay safe and, uh, and be well. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith.
2: So let's, let's talk about something else that this signing day seemed to reveal. I know they lost a couple of defensive uh, players. Brandon Jennings uh, ended up flipping to Maryland and uh, Somerville. Uh, I think Quentin Somerville, a defensive end, flipped to UCLA. <clears throat> but they didn't really lose. They didn't really lose anybody else, and they gained Edwards and Worthy, and uh, kept JJ McCarthy. When you look at this this signing day, as I said to begin the show, uh, it was either it was a great Houdini act because um, of all the challenges, all the adversity that Jim Harbaugh had to get over. I don't think I've been doing this a long time. I don't think that he can go out there and sign that class unless he is supremely confident that he is coming back in 2021, that he's getting his extension. Because, you know, and I don't think, honestly, like as much beef as I have with Ward Manuel right now, I don't think Ward Manual lets Jim Harbaugh go out there and sign someone like Donovan Edwards or J.J. McCarthy, understanding that these young men are putting their future at Michigan if he's just planning on discarding him in two weeks. So to me, signing day yesterday was an indication, was a signal that they intend uh, to, to re-up Jim Harbaugh and bring him back for the 2021 season. Now, is it anything beyond that? I don't know. We'll have to see like, what that buyout looks like. If the buyout is high, then I would argue that they intend for Jim Harbaugh to be here for a while. If the buyout is really low, then they're trying to set up 2021 as a you know, you beat Ohio State, you go to the Big Ten Championship, or now we're moving on from you completely. What this means for Michigan and Michigan fans is uh, is Matt Campbell is probably going to be coaching somewhere else um, in 2021, and that window has sailed. Uh, if anybody held out illusions that they were going to get Luke Fickle, that's probably gone too. Um, you know, the up-and-comers, someone like Tony Elliott, that was starting to be a name, he's probably gone at the right opportunity. So it just means that some of those guys are off the board. But what I really wonder for you, Justin, is with, if, if, if you're, and I don't, I don't love it. I mean, I, I don't want Jim Harbaugh to be the head coach here. I, I believe that Michigan's going to stagnate and stay what they are. Um, I don't think t- next year he has all this talent come in and all of a sudden he, uh, uh, he goes uh, 11 and one and beats Ohio state and goes to the big 10 championship. Um, I just don't, I don't see that, see that happening. I think the culture is what the culture is uh, at this point and the, and the, you know, they're at a plateau and, and maybe regressing still. But if he is the guy for 2021 and you are Jim Harbaugh, what steps are you taking with your coaching staff? Who are you getting rid of? Who are you replacing? Uh, and are you changing up any of, like, your coordinator responsibilities? What are you doing right now to get ready for
1: 2021? I mean, first and foremost, I think what the, the uh, flipped guys on defense – told us was that Don Brown is probably not returning. And I think that's the right decision by Jim Harbaugh or Ward Manuel, whoever made that decision. Um, I'm not convinced it's Jim Harbaugh because it's his buddy. And I think he would, it was pulling teeth to, for him to get rid of him. But um, I think that they might be, be getting rid of almost the entire defensive staff, honestly. And, and I think that is uh, maybe a, a good call. If you, And it's a good call if you can go get somebody like Derek Mason as your D coordinator. He's, he Mm -hmm. was the head coach at Vanderbilt. He has showed that he he, can be a great D coordinator, maybe not a great head coach. Um, So if you can go get a guy like him, I think that then you can clean house on defense. Uh, Maybe keep a guy like uh, Brian Jean Mary, who is a great uh, recruiter. Uh, Maybe you keep a guy like Mike Zordich who has uh, shown before 2020 to really develop the, at the cornerback position. Um, but Sean Nua, I, I'm sorry, he seems like a really great guy, um, but he has just not gotten it done on the recruiting front and, mm-hmm. a, and, and in the development front. Um, so that's, it. that's what I'm feeling on the defensive side, on the offensive side, I wonder what happens. I, I still think Ed Warner is the man. I think that they should extend him. Um, I, I wonder a little bit about Josh Gaddis's responsibilities. Will he still be the old coordinator or is he a uh, go-to wide receivers coach and Jim kind of takes over or has somebody else come in and uh, fix up that offense a little bit? Because I think Josh Gattis has struggled with the play calling and the responsibilities that he's had. Um, Is uh, is Ben McDaniels still there as a quarterbacks coach who – I mean, it's a – the quarterback situation is not only on Jim Harbaugh, right? Um, it is, but he still uh, has a quarterback's coach there in Ben McDaniels that has, it seems, dropped the ball on a lot of these guys. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. Are you, are you thinking the same on the defensive side of the ball or do you think some of those guys will, will hang on? No, I, I think
2: if you're, if you're Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you probably want to keep Mike Zordich. Uh, as you mentioned, and you might want to keep Brian Jane, uh, St. Mary, Jane Mary. Um, I'm so bad. I, I butcher names all this time. This goes back <laughs> to uh, my days uh, at WTK. But I'll be honest with you, Justin, if you get rid of your defensive coordinator, uh, if you get rid of Don Brown and you go out and hire a defensive coordinator, the first thing that you have to do is you have to say, you can make a case. You can say like Mike Zordich and you can list, uh, Jordan Lewis, Channing Stribble and Jeremy Clark, David Long, LaVert Hill, uh, even Vincent Gray, who showed some improvement this year, Jamon Green, who showed some improvement this year. You can list all of them. You can talk about his recruiting successes and say, I think this guy is incredibly valuable to, to Michigan football. But if that defensive coordinator says, well, that's, that's nice, but I've got a, a cornerbacks coach, a safeties coach, a linebackers coach, and a defensive line coach that I would like to work with, then you say, okay, that's your call um, because – you can't hamstring a, a defensive coordinator with guys that uh, that he doesn't know and guys that don't see eye-to-eye eye with him. Now, chances are a defensive coordinator is going to recognize the value of someone like Mike Zordich. And Zordich is around, and, you know, if you go look through his resume, I mean, he's coached with a lot of different people. So he's probably someone who's very adaptable. And if someone said, hey, I want to do this with my cornerbacks versus that, he's going to be able to figure out how to work with that. So I think Mike Zordich is, is – Back, but I think all the other defensive coordinators are gone or all the defensive staff is gone. Offensive staff. I mean, it's been a Rocky. um, It's been a, it's been uneven. It's been a disappointing two years uh, under Josh Gattis. Um, You know, let's call a spade a spade. Uh, Shea Patterson, um, you know, if if they insisted that he was their guy, um, then they have to deal with the fact that he had so many limitations Uh, that they couldn't run an offense that they wanted to run. Well, supposedly, that was out the window because they had the strong-arm quarterback and they had the guy who wanted to run read option. And guess what? They couldn't do anything with Joe Milton. And they brought brought in Cade McNamara and the offense looked a little bit better, but he wasn't a true read option uh, quarterback and he didn't have arm strength. So, you know, however you want to slice it and dice it, whoever you want to like say, well, you didn't have the perfect quarterback or you didn't have this or that, Josh Gattis' offense has been an utter utter disappointment I would give it in two seasons I don't know about you but I'd probably give it like a D um and if you want to take the next step and you believe that J.J. McCarthy is your quarterback of the future um or Caden McNamara is your stopgap in 2021 then you need to ask yourself if Josh Gaddis is the guy to bring it bring you there because he was he has wasted so much talent at wide receiver and running back the last two years uh that yeah I would I would at least um maybe demote him to, to wide receivers coach. And I would agree with you. I would get a new quarterbacks coach because uh, it's just not getting it done. Ben McDaniels, uh, Shea Patterson was uh, was worse by the end of uh, the Ben McDaniels era. And Joe Milton was an utter train wreck uh, underneath Ben McDaniels. So I would get rid of Ben McDaniels. I would uh, demote uh, Josh Gaddis and bring in a more established. I would bring in a offensive coordinator that when he talks about speed and space, knows exactly what he's doing um, and knows how to actually implement it because he's done it a bunch of times already.
1: Yeah. I I think that was the, the, um, the problem with Josh Gaddis is, is I think that Michigan was looking at everywhere else in the country that has, uh, you know, dynamic offenses and what's the common denominator. They usually have a young, uh, offensive coordinator, new guy, the hot name, all that stuff. I think I'm thinking of the Joe Brady's. I'm thinking of Lincoln Riley. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, those type of things. Um, and, so they said, Oh, Josh Gaddis, Alabama guy, you know, their offense is unbelievable. Uh, he's that new hot name. That's going to be out there. Let's go get him." And in reality, he had zero play calling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just a wide receivers coach at Alabama. I think he ha- did have a couple of coordinator responsibilities, but it was the same at Penn state when he was there as well. And I believe Vanderbilt. And so um, I think that uh, they thought, Oh, That will just work out when in reality he didn't have much experience in any of it, and it and uh, his the responsibility seemed very overwhelming for him because uh, when we watched the play calling, you and I sat here how many Sundays and said, What are we doing? why are they running up the gut 17 times in a row uh, on first down and why are they running the wildcat at the 50 yard line and all this stuff and so i think you definitely have to go out and get somebody who has a has good experience on the play calling side Um, i did want to ask you a kind of unique a, a peculiar question here would you rather have Josh Gaddis run the offense in 2021 this pretty much the same way that he has been the last two years? Or would you rather go back to Jim Harbaugh calling the plays like he did in the first four years of, of him being at Michigan?
2: Well, I mean, there's been a lot of argument, right, since, uh, s- since this year has, has ended that Michigan was better in 2016, 17, and 18 when they ran a pro-style offense under Jim Harbaugh and then they should go back to that. Uh, I, I got to tell people who are arguing for that day um, that they have been recruiting the last few years uh, not with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at look at someone like Diamond Edwards. Look at someone like Blake Corum, who are probably the running backs of the future. Uh, look at, uh, you know, even a J.J. McCarthy. Look at Xavier Worthy. And Andrell Anthony and Giles Jackson and Mike Sanger still, they don't have the personnel to all of a sudden switch back uh, to a pro style offense. So that's not happening. So at the end of the day, would I rather have Jim Harbaugh or someone else call the offense? Well, if they're going to stay with a spread, which he's really never been, um, you know, that's not his expertise. Uh, I would rather have the offensive coordinator, whoever that turns out to be, I'd rather have him calling the plays. Um, And Jim Harbaugh being the ambassador, being the guy who, um, you know, kind of gets, kind of does the job that he has now, uh, which is to be a coach on the sideline and to coach guys up, uh, but uh, not necessarily to be the one making the decisions. Um, But yeah, I kind of scoff or laugh a little bit when people are like, well, they need to go back to the pro style. Like, okay, well, if you want to go back to the pro style, we're talking, you know, we're talking 2023, maybe. Um, where you can, where you've got the personnel that you're recruiting back for that style. Um, I don't think you can make. I don't think you could flip that switch and go back to that uh, in 2021 or or in 2022. Certainly.
1: Well, it's almost like a Rich Rod situation, but flip the opposite, right? Where Rich Rod mm-hmm. was trying to run the spread with. Uh, with pro style guys. And so obviously that didn't work. And I think it would be about the same when you try and run the pro style with spread guys. Uh, But I'll tell you what I would like to see is uh, I would like to see a replica and it's easy to say, this, not so easy to make it happen. A replica of Alabama's offense where it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's not a complete spread offense. They do run under center with Najee Harris and single back a lot. um, But they also take deep shots and they open it up with Devonte smith and and mac jones throws the ball a lot and has 400 yards passing too but Najee harris has you know 100 yards rushing as well so i i i would have loved to see them instead of jim harbaugh lets the reins go completely and they switch, you know, completely to a spread or, or whatever you want to call speed in space, what they have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see a little bit of both. They still have the opportunity, um, you know, last year with the offensive line, they have the opportunity to run the ball really well uh, with uh, Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet. They still do, I think, this year and could next year with an offensive line and with Ben Mason and those things. But they now have the opportunity with, Uh, great wide receivers and hopefully a quarterback that can throw the ball well um, Mm -hmm. to get the ball into the, the, the secondary um, and not show, not throw just short routes too. So I'd love to see them do a little bit of both instead of just trying to flip it into completely running a big 12 type of offense and things like that.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I completely um, understand. I mean, something has got to give, right? I mean, that's, That's where I'm at. Something has got to give here uh, for this Michigan offense. And I I just, you know, I I don't have the – I guess it depends, Justin, on who they hire as a coordinator if they get rid of Josh Gattis. Uh, Do they promote somebody else from within? Does Ed Warner get some type of responsibility? Does – I mean, I don't think Jay Harbaugh. If Jay Harbaugh got promoted to co-offensive coordinator, I think you'd have a fan base revolt. (laughs) But, you know, what what does Jim do with with this position? What is And and does Josh Gattis get demoted at all? Um, You know, the only way we know that for sure is if someone else gets named co-offensive coordinator or someone comes in to be the offensive coordinator. And Because otherwise, if it's just like this is the roster for next year, um, it looks like Josh Gattis is the guy. So, yeah, we'll have to see. But I, I do think there's a lot of interesting things still to come. It's disappointing for me. I'm sure for you that there's no game on, uh, on Saturday, three straight weeks without um, a, you know, a Michigan football game. Uh, Ward Manuel did mention that there were over 50 athletes uh, on the team, either from positive COVID cases or contact tracing that would be held out of the game uh, on Saturday against Iowa. I mean, that is, that is a, an absurd number. Um, you know, we criticized last week, we criticized Minnesota a little bit when they had announced that 33 players were going to be sitting out Ohio state a couple of weeks ago, announced 23 players are going to be sitting out. Justin, have you come across anybody in college football that has said 50 players were going to be sitting out, um, a game and
1: no,
3: and
2: certainly we can talk more about that. in in our Friday podcast, but how is that possible that 30 or that 50 guys, were exposed to COVID or close to COVID in some way. And it comes back to, and this is a conversation we can probably have with Will Heininger a little bit better, but it comes back to a complete and utter loss of your protocols and your culture. And what did that mean for the team that they were just essentially done with this season? That, that, that's really disappointing and frustrating. And, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's got a lot. If he is the guy coming back and it looks like he is, he has got a lot of culture problems to clean up, and you know, listening to my students did final projects, and um, you know, John Beeline, um, Tommy Amaker, uh, Phil Martelli, um, there's a coach for USA Hockey. His name escapes me at the minute moment. All of these guys are really big successes in their sport, and all of them talk about culture, and they talk about how you have like the first three years to establish culture. And then in year four, if things start to deteriorate, you've got to nip it in the bud immediately. And if you get to year five and year six, and people are still talking about like instilling culture and bringing it back and the whole thing, then you're, you're done. Like you've lost it completely. Like you have no shot. And that's where we are with Jim Harbaugh. We're, we're ending year six and we're talking about culture and how he needs to reestablish it or establish it in the first place. I don't, I don't think he can because I think it's too late for that. And that's why I think he's doomed to fail at the University of Michigan and that's why I don't think like next year when we're talking Justin we're going to be like going to that Ohio State game hey they're 11 and 0 and they're playing Ohio State for the Big Ten you know for the Big Ten East I I don't think that's going to be the case I I suspect that there's going to be uh some more problems for this program going forward because I don't think the culture is there and I don't think he's ever going to get it
1: yeah I mean it's hard to, to hard to agree with that I think that he's shown uh Jim Harbaugh has shown it nearly every stop that he has worn out is welcome. Right. And it kind of seems like we've gotten to that point here. So that's a little frustrating. I'll ask you this to, to wrap up here though. Um, you know, you've talked about it. Oh, is, uh, you know, in, in the case that Michigan does go 11 and 0, or they do beat finally beat Ohio state uh, next year. Is it a make or break year next year? Or is that even, uh, a plausible thing where you know he has to beat Ohio State, or he has to, and I say he, but they have to beat Ohio State, they have to beat, uh, you know, go to the Big Ten championship or do all these things. Is that even uh, a realistic option to expect from Jim Harbaugh to turn it around from two and four? To that, and now just one year. I know it's year seven. I know all these things are. You know, it should have been different by now. But uh, can we expect that? Is that even a? Is that even a plausible idea?
2: Well, if it's not, then what the hell's the point? I mean, honestly, if if now we're in year seven of the Jim Harbaugh era, and people are like, well, you know, all I really wanted to do is to be able to turn around this two and four season and put Michigan back in a good place nationally, and, and if he does that, that's a success. No. That's not a success, people. It's not year one, it's not year two. You don't, he doesn't get to like hit the reset button on his career and say, hey, we just went two and four this past year, so really the goal is to rebuild this program. No, you're the one who took the program to the two and four record, okay? You're the one who took it to nine and four the year before that. Um, you know, you're the one who has taken this program down. You don't get to say like, well, we're starting all over again. We've gotta rebuild this thing. No, like if you're not accomplishing something in year seven, then what is the point? Like, I, I don't get it. And, and that so many Jim Harbaugh supporters are pulling out the, like, well, Dabo Sweeney did in year seven, he did this. And you got to give him time. And those same people were pointing out after three years, well, it took Mark D'Antonio four and five years to win a Big Ten title. And they were pointing out, like, other coaches, well, it did it in five years. And now everybody, all these people want to, all these apologists want to jump on, like, well, it's the Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney needed seven years to beat his rival. Dabo Sweeney needed seven years to get into the college football playoff. But if you look at those two, uh, if you look at those two things, like Dabo Sweeney was his program was ascending as he went into year seven, and Jim Harbaugh's program is regressing. The other thing I find funny about this is that Michigan fans accuse Clemson of cheating, one of the the biggest cheaters in college football all the time, and yet somehow he's going to achieve the level of Dabo Sweeney, even though Dabo Sweeney's a cheater. Like how how does that how does that really coalesce? You know, like Mm -hmm. how does that make sense? You know, don't worry, Dabo Sweeney did it in year seven, but Dabo Sweeney's a cheater. So I think what you've got going on here, Justin, you see it all the time, is you've got people who are constantly making excuses for Jim Harbaugh right now. You know, oh, well, the administration asked him to tamper things down. I've talked to two regents um, recently who I know pretty well, both of them are like, we have never once interfered with Jim Harbaugh. Um, You know, I know someone very close to Mark Schlissel, asked him if Mark Schlissel, and he's like, Mark Schlissel doesn't even care about football. Like, he doesn't care in the least. Like, he doesn't show up for the games. He doesn't want tickets. He doesn't care at all. He literally hands this thing to ward manual. So then the question is, is ward manual interfering with Jim Harbaugh's program? Absolutely not. You know, Jim Harbaugh has had a blank check and full autonomy since the day he showed up here. He is not being hamstrung. Well, you know, the students at Michigan actually have to go to class. They don't have to go to class at Ohio State. That's a huge generalization. That is a massive, you know, accusation to make against a thing. Yes, they've had online classes. Guess what? This past year, Michigan all had all, all online classes. How did that help them out? Oh well, you know, he had a spring practice wiped out, and he had to deal with COVID. So did every other school in college football this year. Like, what other excuse can you come up with for this guy? Oh, he can't get the recruits into into uh, Michigan that uh, a place like Ohio State and and Alabama can. I, I got I got to tell you guys, like, if you meet the minimum requirements. Um, pretty much you can get the kid in. Now, are classes harder at the University of Michigan? It depends. It depends what the, what the students are in. you know It's not like uh, every kid at Michigan is taking mechanical engineering uh, or pre-med or nursing or pre-law. I mean, there's a lot of classes, you and I both went to the University of Michigan. How many classes could you find, Justin, that you could say like, eh, I could I can get a C without much effort. I can get a B with a little bit of effort. I mean, there's quite a few of those classes at the University of Michigan, so, I'm done with the excuses, man. Like I'm not, I was done with it two years ago. I'm done with it. Now, if you want to make excuses for Jim Harbaugh, then all you are is someone who doesn't have expectations for this program and doesn't understand what reality is.
1: Yeah. I I think that's the, the tough thing there is that the, he you've said it before he made $7 million a year. He was brought in not to go nine and three, Right. Michigan has been at nine and three and ten and three even before he was brought in to be the one guy that could come in and beat Ohio State, bring them to a national title, college football playoff, uh, Big Ten title type program year in and year out. And he has failed that um every single year. And so I think that's where um it's really tough when uh when people say, oh, you know, they give him all the excuses. Um because he has I, I mean you have to give him the the uh you have to give him that he has brought Michigan from bad, really bad under Brady Hoke in his last year to a to contending, right? But he has not done the he's not he has not gotten them over the hump, which is what he was paid here paid to come here and do. So um, that, that's where we're at. I, I think that we can talk on Friday. Where does Michigan football go from here? Whether it's, uh, you know, getting a new coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, changing things up on the offensive side of the ball, um, and, and moving into 2021 now, uh, what are their expectations? How, how can they change that culture? What everything, the, everything that they have to do now to turn things around as quickly as they need to and get them back into a contender by 2021. So we'll talk about that on Friday. Um, Want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Capnick uh, Insurance, Lewis Jewelers, Weber's, uh, the uh, Wolverine uh, Brewing Company. Um, did I miss anybody? We've got a lot. We're, our list keeps growing, which is great.
2: But yeah. yeah. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, you know, we'll talk some more Michigan basketball. Uh, We'll get into some Michigan basketball talk uh, on Friday. And, uh, and certainly when we talk to Will Heinegger next week, I love the idea of talking about culture and talking about um, what needs to change uh, for this Michigan program. And, you know, maybe we can even track down, I'm going to work on this. I don't make any promises for this week, but I'd love to track down a former coach. Uh, and ask them their thoughts on reestablishing culture and if it's possible to do so. Uh, So we'll see, Uh, you know, big day for Michigan yesterday, great recruiting class. It appears Jim Harbaugh is going to be back at the university of Michigan. What you do with that is entirely up to you.
1: Absolutely. Yep. So follow us for more on Twitter at stadium main pod at uh, Justin Rowe 92 at Michael Spath I T H and we will see you all on Friday.
0: This is the Stadium and Main Podcast presented by Capnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.